Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Well, it's Groundhog Day again, Amy. It is indeed. And, uh, you know, it's funny because we talked last night in preparing for this episode and we had both had the same thought. I, I, I told you that what kept going in my mind, because last week's top story was that the EC was deliberating for a seven day period. Guess what and, this week's top story is, Amy? Well, again, as I am guessing anyone who listens to a podcast about the SBC probably already knows what the top story is, which is another seven day period. So when that got, you know, settled in my head, cause movie lines will play in my head a lot of times. And it, in my head played where Bill Murray is saying in front of the camera, well, it's groundhog day again. <laughs> I just laughed and laughed. So I told you that last night and you were like, you took my line. That's what I was going to say. So we were thinking alike. Yes. That happens quite often. So yeah. So the top. So it's the. So this is this is not a rerun of last week's episode. <laughs> we could have just, just rerun last week's episode. At that's least right. The first that's chunk. right. That's right. It's just it's the same top story. So we're yes. in we're in another already not yet. Yes. It's like a double overtime. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that double overtime. We're going to a shootout if this doesn't work out. So, and by the way, hockey's back, and I'm really excited about that. Not that kind of shootout. Anymore. All right. Um, I, I, I was going to say, when you said that, you were thinking hockey. And I was like, what hey, a, why did you say shootout? That, Frank that's, Norris is not involved here. J. Frank Norris, not involved. I so, see what you did there. Yeah. Very. Right. Uh, so look that Baptist history up, folks. You know, go buy O.S. Hawkins' book. It'll explain it for you. Uh, the new yeah. book from Dr. Hawkins. So, okay. All right. Well, hey, before we get into this, Amy, we do want to thank our sponsors each and every week here Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And if you're considering your next steps in theological education, then head to Fort Worth, Texas for Southwestern's Fall Preview Day on October 22nd. You'll have a chance to tour the campus, meet your professors, talk with fellow students, and meet President Adam W. Greenway, as well as experience the unique campus community of Southwestern Seminary. Visit swbts.edu slash preview to learn more and register for Fall Preview Day at Southwestern Seminary. And uh, also, that's, that's three weeks from today, so there's still plenty of time for you to get involved in that and uh, get on the list over there at Southwestern uh, just a gorgeous campus. They've really, really fixed it up in the last couple of years since Dr. Greenway has been there. And uh, I know they'd be happy to have any of our listeners over at Southwestern for the Seminary Preview Day. And hey, if you go and you listen to SBC This Week, tell them you listen to SBC This Week and they will give you a free coffee mug. Oh, that's a, I should do that. I don't know if they really do that or not, but I'm going to try it and see. So, Oh, you see. just made that up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. I mean, you, they, they, you never know. Do, they may surprise somebody. They're going to charge you for that coffee mug. Yeah. Well, just take it out of the sponsorship and then we'll be all right. Okay. So I think okay. they would be happy to have all of our listeners show up and ask for a free coffee mug and come to preview day. They'd, they'd be more than willing to give away free coffee mugs to our listeners for coming to Southwestern preview day. I like that. I like that. I think okay. they would be, I think they'd be more than willing. I didn't give them a free night in the Riley Center, Amy. I just gave them a free coffee mug. I mean, okay. Okay. It's, you know. Now, if we want to do free nights in the Riley Center, that's a different. We, we might try that one, too. So ask for that. See if they'll give it to you. I don't know. I doubt it, folks. All right. Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, again, thanks, guys, for sponsoring us uh, each and every week. It was good to see some of them recently, and I hope to see them again soon. But, Amy, you mentioned our top story again this week. The EC has extended for another seven-day period. 
in negotiations with the Sex Abuse Task Force, remaining hopeful for a resolution. It's something they have talked about uh, exploring as called the Michigan model. Yeah, so this is something that they were were talking through. I was listening most of the live stream. So I want to thank you for your work on that, no problem. Jonathan, to make sure that, that that was open to the public whenever the EC members were in open session. But it was also a pretty long night. I know it was long for you. It went, what, five hours, I believe. Mm-hmm. So the Michigan model was discussed some in that meeting, but of course it was a lot all over the place. Uh, so why don't you, do you want to explain just a little bit about what it is, if you can? I can. Uh, we ran a story at Baptist Press, uh, but we did explain it. And there's kind of like seven steps and uh, where the executive committee would hire a law firm to conduct the independent investigation. The law firm would have access to all the documents, whether they're privileged or not. You know, attorney-client privilege has been the, the big linchpin here and the big discussion point. Uh, the EC would agree in advance that the law firm release the independent written report to the public. Uh, you know, that's another been thing that we've talked about is we want a public report. You know, that's something that, that has been discussed both by the EC and the task force, as well as the messengers. They were asking for that. Uh, the law firm may hire an investigative firm to assist investigation. That would be guidepost in this situation, who's already been contracted by the task force. I mean, the EC would cooperate fully with the investigation, producing documents as requested, encouraging individuals to cooperate as well. And then the law firm would produce a written report that would not be edited or redacted or any way by the executive committee and release that to the public. So uh, that's how that would work. That does not waive attorney-client privilege, though, Amy. Yeah, and the task force has responded to that, that that still remains a concern for them because of how it factored into the motion itself and uh, the desire for waiver of attorney-client privilege. And then also, there has been a pretty overwhelming response over the last few days from Southern Baptists really all over the country through social media or I think maybe through emails or, you know, other ways, but a lot of statements have been put out that still seem to be pushing for that. So the task force is continuing to say, we really think the waiver of attorney-client privilege is something that should be done. So it's going to be interesting at the end of this seven day period that this, the Michigan model has kind of come onto the table, but the waiver is still really, up for discussion, uh, and it, it or the the waiver is still really being discussed out there in the public and by the task force. So where this ends up, we're not sure. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the statements. There's been a ton, uh, about two dozen that have been released. Uh, a lot of them just pushing for the will of the messengers to be fulfilled. I mean, that, that's kind of the the root of all of the the statements. So there's a big recap of those. Everything from President Emeritus of the Executive Committee, Morris Chapman. A couple of former chairmen of the executive committee, Stephen Rowan and Ernest Easley, all six seminary presidents, and about 15 state conventions or state convention executive directors, as well as a few uh, local associations and the Southern Baptist Hispanic Council. So there's a ton of information there. There's a big story. It's about 2,000 words long. Uh, Just a lot of information, links to everything that's been released. So if you want to check that out, you can do that. Every southern state, I believe, has released something. Uh, pastors in those states. Some of them include the executive directors. Some of them don't. But, I mean, you know, it's just concerned pastors and dozens and dozens and dozens of pastors around right. the country uh, releasing these statements. So, uh, like you said, full recap, all at Baptist Press. Yeah. And some of those statements talk about even about designation of funds, which this is not a new conversation. That's something we've been talking about for the last few years with respect to entities that when uh, churches or 
folks in, you know, at, at different levels have at state conventions even have displeasure or concern with a particular entity's actions that they begin to talk about designating around. We've had that discussion with the ERLC, with NAM, seminaries, now the executive committee. So I think that's another thing that has to begin to be examined because the cooperative program is our undesignated plan for giving. So as we continue to talk about that, uh, what's the role of the cooperative program in all of this? That's not necessarily a discussion for this week, but I think we have to we have to recognize that that's kind of a looming issue over the last few years and one, you know, for, for concern as well. And that has entered into a lot of these statements also about concern about how, about resources. Absolutely. Now you mentioned the cooperative program, Amy, I've got some incredible news on the cooperative program. Story okay. just dropped today. This week, Southern Baptist crossed the 20 billion, that's billion with a B, the 20 billion mark in cooperative giving all time. So this is since 1925. So 96 yes. years. $20 billion. Southern have given more than $20 billion. Now, is this total like at the state level? This is like all receipts. That's awesome. So $20 billion in 96 years through the cooperative program. And it's, and we're moving into cooperative program emphasis month, which yeah, is why are. honestly so a lot. Great way to celebrate this. How about yeah. the timing there? Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So a lot has been done through this. And of course, even more has been done if you start to add Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong and other things. So Southern Baptists have given way more than 20 billion in, in everything and in total, but that's specifically in that funding mechanism. And so as we consider that and as we move into cooperative program emphasis month you know this conversation that we're having we have to ask the question like this this is a giving plan that's been around for a really long time that was designed to sort of funnel all of these undesignated funds and it has done a lot over the last 96 years so what's that what does that look like as we cooperate together going forward uh, but this is a huge thing to celebrate yes so 20 billion reasons to celebrate today and this just comes, what, about 10, 12 days after we celebrated $2 billion in Annie Armstrong giving, right? I mean, that, that went over the $2 billion mark just a couple of weeks ago. NAM announced that. So, and, and then I'll be on hand Monday night. NAM is announcing the, you know, the 2020, 2021 Annie Armstrong Easter offering total, which they've already said will be the greatest total, the largest total in the history of that offering. So, I mean, just exciting times all around. And, and I'm sure we're going to see next week on next week's episode, we should have a both an Annie and a Lottie total for this year. And Dr. Dr. Chitwood has already said that Lottie is going to be its second biggest ever, be over $160 million for the second time ever. And then also, we're going to have a budget report for the fiscal year, which will show cooperative program giving way above budget for 2020 and 2021. So That's awesome. Giving is strong right now in the Southern Baptist Convention. So that, that's some exciting news right there. I, I know, you know, a lot of people looking for reasons to be excited right now. Right there, the generosity, the stewardship, and the faithfulness of Southern Baptists around the country. And speaking of faithfulness, Amy, the IMB appointed 36 missionaries to the nations this week. 
This was very exciting. I know they had their trustee meeting, but always the highlight of that trustee meeting is the commissioning service or the sending celebration. It was at Staples Mill Road Baptist Church in Glen Allen, Virginia. Hans Dilbeck was the special guest and he gave a scriptural charge to the new missionaries and, and also came and got to speak to the trustees. And so it was a, a, a really wonderful thing. 36 more headed out, full-time, fully funded personnel. Uh, a lot of new faces in the IMB, and that means, you know, we're getting closer to that 4,000 missionary mark that we've had um, in the past, you know, kind of building that back up. Just uh, great to see the pipeline growing and our missionary force growing across the world. The other big piece of the trustee meeting included a report from the chief financial officer and treasurer, Price Jet, who introduced the 2021-22 proposed budget, and that is at $262.2 million dollars a $6.9 million increase from the previous year budget. So uh, that was passed by the trustees. Just incredible to see the generosity again of Southern Baptist. $262 million at the IMB next year for the gospel to go to the nations. So that, that's exciting right there. Very cool. On another money front, Amy, got a neat story this week in Baptist Press. Um, not, you know, like denominational news or anything like this. But as I know it, Maybe the first church that I've seen that is offering the ability for you to give cryptocurrency in the offering plate. Well, not in the plate, but you know what I mean. The the church is accepting cryptocurrency now in Mississippi. I think this is really cool because you said it is. I'm going to let you talk about this story because <laughs> I don't Well, I don't know anything really... about it. The only thing I know about crypto is that it makes David Speaker go bananas whenever I ask him about it on the, the monthly market update. In a good way or a bad way? Not, not necessarily in a good way all the time. I mean, it's how speculative it is. He's just not a big fan of it for retirement type stuff at Guidestone. I know almost nothing about cryptocurrency and economics was not a great, uh, great subject for me. Yeah, so, they said there would be no bath. So here is what I have to say about this. Uh, this is a really interesting story. You should check it out at Baptist Press. That's all yes. I've got to say about this. But if you have anything to add, go for well, it. Well, if you're if you're into cryptocurrency and really interested or you know want to explore it, it's just an interesting way that the church said, you know what? Why not? We can set up a way that people can give cryptocurrency. It makes it easy for it to be transferred. So, and and it, it's also something that can increase as you know if the church holds on to it and doesn't cash it out right away. People giving cryptocurrency, maybe, you know, what was worth $10,000 one month, maybe worth fifteen another month or in a year or whatever it may be. So it's just something for the church to, you know, it's not something I don't think a church would throw all its eggs in that basket. But, you know, if you want to put one egg in that basket and just see what happens, why not? Right. All right. So giving people the option. So it's kind of a neat story. If you're into crypto, check out the story. But again, this first church I've seen that is allowing or, you know, making available a way for you to give to the church through cryptocurrency. So if you've got a, a Bitcoin or two laying around out there somewhere, you know, in a, in the, in the couch cushions or something, throw it their way and, and you know, kind of support that. So they, they take like all the popular things. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin Cash, DAI, Dogecoin, Litecoin, USD coin. I mean, just all those things. So they, they figured it out. Another event this week, Amy, I was able to attend. I love it every year. I talked about it last week on the podcast. Midwestern Seminaries for the Church Conference this year, the theme Until Every Church Healthy, featured sermons by Jason Allen, Juan Sanchez, H.B. Charles, Robbie Gallaty, and Jared Wilson. 
Very cool. I've never gotten to go to the For the Church conference. I've never even gotten to go on. You've campus got to get to Midwestern. We got to get you to Midwestern. I would that love room, to. I would the, love I, to. I said it on Twitter the other night. The singing, the congregational singing in that room is spectacular. It's just so cool. I got the chance to talk to Jimmy McNeil the other night, who led the worship. Jimmy's at the Austin Stone in Austin, Texas, and I got to talk to him after the con uh, after the event. And we we got to talking about that. And he's like, there's very few rooms like this that he goes into where the congregational singing is just so powerful. And yeah, it's just well, a really I would cool love because I've, I've heard about the acoustics in that room, but I have never even gotten to go to Midwestern. So one, one day I'll have to, I'll have to check it out, but yeah. I would recommend when the new airport opens. I hear that all the time. I've never flown into Kansas city, so I wouldn't oh, know. Oh, well, lucky dog, you lucky dog. All right. Well, also some sad news this week, Amy, uh, down at first Baptist Montgomery, they were attacked by an arsonist this week and, and had some damage to the building, to the sanctuary, to the, to the facility there in Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah. I saw this Rick Lance posted this, the state exec in Alabama and said that it was that this is his church. So that's really, really difficult and uh, kind of amazing. This is our second one. I mean, we just did access church in Nashville and that was the, yeah. the Molotov cocktail. So arson a couple of times in a row and, and very, very difficult. They're having an active investigation into it, but don't really know, you know, don't, don't really know what, what happened. No details. Several, right. Several pews were destroyed. Some carpet burn, uh, the church's reception office completely destroyed. And then, uh, there's another sanctuary that the carpet was damaged and smoke and soot, you know, spread through, so through, so quite, quite a bit. They do plan to meet on Sunday, but they're not really sure what that will look like. So. Yeah. A lot of times it's not the fire that does the damage, it's the smoke. And, you know, that that takes a lot more to do. I mean, obviously the fire does damage. Let's not kid ourselves. But it's more localized where the, the smoke affects the entire building and, you know, causes a lot more issues across where the fire didn't even get to. So uh, be in prayer for Mark Bethay down there at Montgomery, Alabama, who is the pastor there. Fun fact, Amy, Mark Bethay. Took kind of, I think he was the next guy after me. Whenever I knew, left New Hope, he took my spot at oh, New okay. Hope Publishers in, uh, at WMU. So, oh, very cool. Kind of a, a slight connection there to the podcast. So, I'm not sure if Mark listens or not. If you do, Mark, thanks for listening. All right. Some good news from the ERLC. Our friend Elizabeth Graham, who you heard on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago, traveled this week to Northern Ireland to deliver an ultrasound machine as they're part of their Psalm 139 project. Yeah, this is really, really neat that it's their first international placement of an ultrasound machine. So it's going to Hope House in Mo Moira, Ireland. Uh, sure. And it, yeah, I, I'm just going to say it that way. It's in it's about 15 miles southwest of Belfast. And so this is a, an effort that the ERLC has done some very specific efforts in Northern Ireland because abortion has been legalized in that country. And uh, I think a lot of believers in Ireland that have, have really been working to deal with that, with that reality. And so the initiative had begun to connect with Ireland in February, 2020, but obviously they couldn't place the ultrasound machine because of the pandemic. So Elizabeth Graham got to go and do that with a couple of other ARLC staff members for a private dedication. And so it's very exciting. Hope House is a ministry there in Ireland that works to care for both the mother and her child before and after birth. So a really exciting thing happening there. Finally, Amy, some extremely sad news. I know something that's close to your heart as well. 
Uh, this past week, we learned of the passing of Greg Bruton, who was a professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, a, a beloved professor there, uh, died of a sudden illness this past week. Very much so. He came in uh, and and taught church music and worship in 2002. He was head of, at, at this stage, head of the Department of Biblical Worship. And I was really sad to learn of this. Greg Bruton came in. So 2002 was when I was there. So I actually drew up his contract. That's part of what I did was to uh, to prepare all the, the faculty contracts. And so it's always really exciting when someone would come on the faculty and be sort of starting brand new. He had just gotten, I think he had just gotten his, his doctorate at that point had been in the Southern Seminary, had been in the Southern Seminary community for some time already. But just a humble man and beloved, he went on to uh, become a member, he and his wife, of about about 10 years, eight years after he started, he had he joined the church that we had been a part of. So we have a lot of church family from there that is really uh, struggling, grieving over the loss of Greg Bruton, but just a humble, humble and talented good man. Um, lots of great stories I've seen on social media reminiscing about him. So a huge loss for the Southern Seminary community. Absolutely. Our, our prayers out to our friends up at Southern and the Bruton family. But that will do it for our news this week, Amy. And that'll bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. We are going to go to 1971. We're going to go 50 years ago. Did I get that right? Is my math right on that? That is correct. Are we yeah, celebrating Disney uh, Disney World opening? No, we're not. Because that but, was today, 50 years ago. Yes, I know. So, uh, but we are celebrating. We've been talking about things that have been done. We've been talking about milestones in cooperative program, giving milestones in, uh, you know, IMB and Lottie Moon coming up, hopefully, or a second highest. And then even talking about, what the ERLC has been doing in Ireland. Well, this is something that the Foreign Mission Board focused specifically in East Pakistan. So the Foreign Mission Board contributed $10,000 for a UNICEF cholera treatment project in East Pakistan. And it was very specifically to purchase medical supplies. And I just did this because a name popped up that I recognized. And so I wanted to honor this person. I may have even talked about him before on the podcast, but what happened was the UNICEF officials in Dhaka there uh, in, in Pakistan, they talked to, um, they talked to the missionary that was there, Jim McKinley. He was very, very, very involved in Pakistan for years and years and years. And they had actually underwrite the whole project for $53,000, but they weren't able to do that. They were able though to do $10,000, which is, you know, no small thing in, in 1971 for a, for no a project small thing I'm, today. Come on now. Well, yeah, but I mean, it, it was a fifth of the, of the project. And so this was a huge problem, huge situation in Pakistan and among Pakistan refugees in India. And so they wanted to find a way to help. It's a great way to, to highlight some of the things that the IMB has done through the years and, and also things that have been done through uh, other things like BGR and, and Send Relief, Global Hunger Relief helping. So it was aimed at direct treatment of children and mothers during the crisis. So uh, helping with disposable needles, syringes, infusion sets. And so they were working with uh, Jim McKinley so that they could 
have looked for other projects where they could be involved personally. And I loved this because it popped out. It reminded me of some of the great things that missionaries are doing on the ground. Just like we talk about the, the Hans and we talk about the Rices in Japan, like all of these others. So Jim McKinley, who really did amazing work, groundbreaking work at times in Pakistan, went on, he retired from the mission board, came home and went and got his doctorate at Southern Seminary. And I was his proofreader for like three years. That's what I did. And so I would proofread all of his, all of his papers and his final DMN project. And he was like in his late seventies. And so he passed away just a few years ago, but he was always so kind to me and Keith and even uh, sent some things to our kids after they were born and, and just a wonderful, wonderful man. And And I have some items that he gave us, some coins and things from Pakistan and his book. But it was just neat to see the work that he was doing and how it was being told at that current time. So even as we talk about things that the SBC is doing to help around the world uh, and to help mothers and children, 50 years ago, we were doing the same uh, this week in SBC history. All right. Really cool. So all I heard was that you wrote Jim McKinley's papers for him. I did not write his papers for him. I could not write about the mission field in Pakistan. So, but I could edit. Yes. I could edit and say, don't write the sentence this way. Take that word out, get that comma and uh, take it away. So I could do things like that. All right. Well, that's good. All right. That's effective. Okay. All right. Resources of the week, Amy, your resource of the week is... Mine is a new book by Sally Clarkson just came out called Help, I'm Drowning, Weathering the Storms of Life with Grace and Hope. Uh, So I'm a big Sally Clarkson fan, and I know a lot of other other women are. And so um, it's brand new, and it really talks about finding the anchors that hold steady in the midst of every storm. And I think that's, um, I think that's something that a lot of people need right now. So I just got it. It hit my mailbox this week. So I wanted to throw that out there. So men can't be fans of Sally Clarkson. Oh, absolutely. They can be. I just know a lot of women who are, when I go to most of, uh, I, cause I've gone to hear her speak and stuff. And most of the time it's women that are. Okay. There. Gotcha. But men right. can be fan. It'd be great. You could get the book too. All right, so my resource of the week is a new film now playing in theaters. It's called The Jesus Music, and it is discussing really it's a it's a documentary on CCM, and this looks oh, wow. fascinating. It's it's documentary features Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, Lauren Daigle, Toby Mac, Kirk Franklin, Bart Millard, and Bill Gaither. So, like talking about how the Jesus movement shaped contemporary Christian music. So, and the Irwin brothers did it. So guys that did, I can only imagine Woodlawn, I still believe, you know, they're really good. So I think it's worth a shot, you know, something maybe to check I out. It's in the theaters. Yeah. Yes. I want to see this. Very so, interesting. Talking, I mean, like you remember the country music thing that Ken Burns did? Yes. So this is kind of a, a, a similar, but not quite as extensive, obviously. Similar version of that, but CCM focused, obviously. Very cool. And uh, yes, I'm sorry. Someone just brought something to the porch and Coco sat up. Yeah. So Coco's Coco's welcoming the, the group. You know, Finally made it. Coco's hey, greeting the uh, delivery guy. So that's right. All right. That's well, right. Uh, Amy, do want to talk, you know, today is October 1st. We're releasing this and also October 1st, always hotel registration opening day. So that's right. Everything went somewhat smoothly this morning. There were a few kinks in, in here and there with the technology, but everything kind of worked out. Okay. People got their hotels for Anaheim. 
and uh, everything's open. So if you're you if you didn't get them this morning, jump in there. Still plenty of rooms available for Anaheim and uh, a lot of different price points as well. And, and Amy, this is really a walkable convention area. I've been out there a couple of times, really seeing where the hotels are. Uh, Nashville was somewhat walkable. I mean, a lot of hotels right. downtown. All right, this one is actually going to be more walkable than most of the cities that we go to because the the hotels really are right around the area because it's the resort area right there by Disneyland. So hotels are aplenty and they're all okay. within like a one to two, three, four block radius uh, of Excellent. the convention center. So Well, definitely jump in and check that out because they are open now. If you haven't already gotten your reservation, go in there and get it. Please plan to come. I know that uh, out in California, it seems like it might be a stretch, but you, but you can go ahead and get the reservation and then you have it. And then you can figure out, you know, how, how to get there. And so we definitely want to encourage that. Also, just going back to the initial story of the week, which is where everyone's mind is, um, please, please be in prayer as we are in this seven day period for the executive committee, for the task force, for, uh, all of those who are watching this story, and this is a difficult time for survivors, even those who might not be affected by this particular situation. It's just a hard, it's a hard thing for them. And so we need to, to be mindful of that as we think about it, as we pray about it, as we talk about it. And just to remember that, as I said last week, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but I think it's something to repeat that at its heart, what we all should want is a culture where predators cannot hide. Absolutely. And so we need to remember that. Absolutely. We started this week's episode kind of like last week. We end it kind of like last week as well. So Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.